0: Oh, boy. All right. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, we ask you today to uh, open up your word to our hearts. For without your Holy Spirit, uh, we will not have understanding. Lord, we don't want to just have knowledge of your word. Lord, we, we want to know how to apply it. Give us wisdom, insights, discernment. <clears throat> Lord, I pray over... Uh, Today's service, uh, all together, Lord, Um, we celebrate Your resurrection every day of our lives, Lord. Mm -hmm. And today we pray that we could uh, that Your Your presence will be here in a special way, and that You will bring people that maybe have never even heard the 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 gospel. And so, um, be with us for that service and at eleven, and especially, Lord, today as we uh, go through the rest of uh, or parts of Acts twenty one. Uh, please open it to our, hi- our hearts and our minds. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. <clears throat> all right, so there's no map today because we're sort of going to hang a little bit um, in verses 9, maybe 9 through, <clears throat> through 14, possibly even go all the way to 26. If not, we'll take up to 26 next week. Because right um, in Acts 21, verses 15, when Paul's at Jerusalem, this uh, is somewhere between A.D. 57 and 59. So if you look at um, where we're at on this third missionary journey, we're, we're sort of in that, uh, you know, in that same category, but we don't really know how long Paul stayed in Jerusalem. <clears throat> but I think it's pretty much uh, a, a, a pretty con. A con- Continuous to what we 've been uh, reading, so <clears throat> where were we last week? Paul was traveling down picture the map on there you know in your mind. He was traveling down the coast and he was going to Jerusalem, where many people have told him throughout his his decision to leave there, even from when he was meeting with the elders at Ephesus, he knew that was the last time that they were probably going to see each other. He knew that he had to go to Jerusalem. He knew that bonds and chains awaited him, and everybody had, was telling him this. <clears throat> Even in one, in one um, verse we see in verses, um, uh, in verse four, it says, "After looking up the disciples, we stayed there seven days, and they kept telling Paul, through the spirit, not to set foot in Jerusalem." Now through the spirit is in a contradiction. It's not like Paul's Holy Spirit was telling him to go and the disciples' Holy Spirit was saying, don't go. They're saying that through the Spirit, they're telling him through their own heart and passion, please don't go, meaning it was a sincere, godly exhortation for them. For, 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 that's what God does with us. Like just because you know I, I may be going uh, to India or Elvira may be going to, to Mexico, and we say, Elvira, this is going to be a tough place. You know, the Lord is telling me this is going to be tough for you. You're going to hit challenges down there. You know, that doesn't mean the Lord is saying not go. That just means that this is what God has called us to to endure and to do. And so this Paul is a a beast because he's like, I'm ready to die. I'm ready to go to Jerusalem and be killed. I don't count my life dear to myself. I count my life dear to God. And this is the calling that he's given me. And I'm sure that Paul had a sense of the uh, of of, uh, of the importance and urgency of him to do it because Paul was caught in the middle of a, of a very big battle. And we're going to see that <clears throat> uh, maybe today, maybe not if not next week, where the Jews, when he goes to Jerusalem, um, you know he's uh, he's even in trouble with the Jews uh, and with the Christian disciples in Jerusalem that are still practicing you know, temple worship and they're still, you know, advocating the law and they're still advocating circumcision. You know, we have to understand that when when this Bible was written, they didn't have all the pieces that we have right now. And so it wasn't like, oh, Jesus died and the curtain tore. And yeah he rose again. And now the law is completely gone. No, you see what these this is an ancient I mean, to these people, this was not only their nationality. This was their identity. This is everything about them. The law, the temple. And now Jesus comes and makes it all, you know, like, wow, we're delivered finally from exile. Our sins are forgiven in a different way than we thought. But they still had to unlearn a lot. They still had to get all their theology together. And it took a very long time, even hundreds of years. So um, anyway, so, Verse five and 21, when our days there were ended, we left and started on our journey while they all with wives and children escorted us until we were out of the city. After kneeling down on the beach and praying, we said farewell to one another and they went on board the ship and they returned home again. When we had finished, this is verse seven, the voyage from Tyre, we went to Ptolemias and after greeting the brethren, we stayed with them for a day. And on the next day, we left and came to Caesarea, and entering the house of Philip the Evangelist, who was one of the seven, we stayed with him. So Paul had already arrived, um, uh, I guess you could say, on the coast of of, uh, Palestine, and now was traveling down the coast, because remember, um, Caesarea is a beach town. Right. And and so he's he's just taking a boat right down the right down the coast. He stops in Caesarea and we meet he meets Philip. <clears throat> now, when's the last time we saw Philip? With the eunuch. Right. Philip was with the with was 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 on the road called straight. And remember back in uh, in chapter eight or nine, where all the people This is chapter eight, everybody was scattered right, or uh, from the preaching of the gospel and scattered preaching the gospel. And uh, Philip finds this, you know, is told to go to this road called Strait and he sees this Ethiopian eunuch. He explains Isaiah. He baptizes him. When he comes out of the water, Philip's gone. God swept him up and took him to Azotus, I think it was, and then he went to and ended up in Caesarea. And this Caesarea is... Um, Different than Caesarea Philippi, this is called Caesarea Maritima. This is the the, the beach town. So I think it's kind of neat because <clears throat> Philip was an evangelist. What did we say an evangelist is? What's an evangelist? Someone that shares the gospel. What's that? <laughs> and people believe. And people believe. And well, sometimes, sometimes they people do. Reason, uh, that the message yeah. <clears throat> hmm Yeah, and in in uh, in Ephesians four nine, we learn that the the evangelist is not even is not just someone that really could do everything we just said, but it's actually a gift from God to the church, um, along with prophets and and pastors and teachers and apostles. And evangelists, so they are a gift to the church to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. So Philip, we see this really cool picture because we see Philip doing all the work of an evangelist, right? Preaching the gospel everywhere. Who remembers the first place that he went after he was scattered from Stephen Stoning? Does anyone remember Samaria? Samaria right. He went to Samaria, you know, which was really controversial because the Jews didn't even consider them brothers, which they were. Jesus commanded them, go to Jerusalem and Samaria, and Judea, and to the othermost parts. So we see Philip now going and just going into Samaria, preaching the gospel, people getting saved, people getting healed. Um, and then, of course, John and Peter followed them, followed after Philip and went into Samaria and laid hands on people and they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit as we talked to there. But now Philip is, he's been here for a while. You know, he's been here for, I don't know, 14 years maybe. And now he's got four daughters or maybe he had four daughters. <clears throat> Verse nine, it says, now this man had four virgin daughters who were prophetesses. And so, or prophetess, how do I, how do you say this? What's the best way to say that? Female prophet. Female prophet. Prophetesses. <laughs> 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 prophetess. Prophetess. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's prophetess. Now you got it. I do speak English. I say it different every time, but you know what I mean.
1: Prophetess.
0: Yeah, prophetess, yeah. Do you know what
2: struck me? You said one of the seven.
0: Well, one of the seven that were chosen, remember um, in in Acts 7, I believe it was, when some of the higher apostles were, uh, you know, they would say, we're called to teach the word of God, not to wait tables. So find men that are what? Full of faith, full of the Holy Spirit, with good reputation, and let's set them apart for the work of the ministry. So he was one of the seven that were chosen there to do that. So he was a deacon too. Yeah, he was a deacon. That's where we get the, the, the concept of deacon, that servanthood and ministering to the people, ministering to the poor, minister because that's what was going on. There was the Hellenistic Jews and the regular Jews. and So, <clears throat> but this right here, I wanted to hang here for a little bit because this is really a controversial topic, uh, females in ministry. And so when we get to these things in scripture, it's not... It's a good time to discuss it and not skip over it because we don't want to just pick and choose and go over the difficult topics and say, oh, you know, this is just, I don't want to be controversial. I don't want to offend anyone and all this. So the Word of God is the Word of God, and we can try to do our best by trying to unpack this because it's a seemingly controversial. What do you think the controversy is around this this, uh, these daughters who were female prophets. What's the controversy there? What do you think, Rebecca? Oh, well, you're, not, you're not any, just because you're on vacation, it doesn't mean I'm not going to pick on you. Come on. You have anything for me? Give me some wisdom. I don't know if I have any wisdom. You, you have plenty of wisdom. What do you think the controversy is with a female prophetess? Eve was deceived. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, 1 Timothy 2, where he talks about women aren't to speak in the church, they're to be silent and talk to their husbands at home. We can talk about that. That's a good point, right? And also... He said, I do not allow a woman to teach a man. A teach a man or have authority over a man. But here we have the prophetess. But, but, but
2: she's giving the message from God.
0: Yeah. Well, I would think right like like yeah But I'd say it's of divine inspiration yeah so what is first of all what is what is a prophet what do they do they they speak by divine inspiration okay and then let me read to you first Thessalonians 520 just so that way we can say we can answer the question, is this really that important I mean and this is why, again, prophecy is also one of the spiritual gifts. That we all have one spirit, and we all have various gifts. Some people have gifts of help, some of administration, some of teaching, some of prophecy, and some of the smaller gifts aren't any great, aren't any, they're, they're just as good, if not even better sometimes, uh, as the bigger gifts, right? But let me just go here. So 1 Thessalonians 5.20 says this says or nineteen I'm going to start at because this is part of it and at least in my translation it's a, it's a one sentence here it says do not quench the spirit semicolon do not despise prophetic utterances so this is something that we shouldn't despise we shouldn't just say well. That was for then. They needed it then. God needed extra help then, so He made prophets. You know, I believe that the gift of prophecy is still applicable for today. If this was just for He had four sons who were prophets, we would just say, "Oh yeah, they were prophets," and we would probably move on and make a couple comments. But these were females, so we we know number one that prophecy is is speaking out from divine inspiration. <clears throat> we know, number two, that we're not to despise prophets or prophecies. When people, sit, when people speak divine inspiration, right? We're not supposed to, to, uh, to, to say, oh, forget that. Um, Paul also says <clears throat> that we should desire to prophecy. We should desire to do those things. We should desire all the spiritual gifts, all of us. We shouldn't fake them. We shouldn't say, oh, you know, I believe I have the gift of tongues and I start, you know, doing it on my own until I can really convince myself that it is the gift of tongues, right? <laughs> or even, hey, I have a word of knowledge for you today. Zoe, you were not supposed to go back to college. You're supposed to stay home and live here. You know, so okay, that's it. That's not divine inspiration, that's. <laughs> it's inspired by something. yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> Yes, thank you. I was getting to that. He says, and where, 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 where it? I have that written down here somewhere. Let me sit here.
1: Well, and we know the commandment that is if someone claims to be a prophet and then they say something's going to happen and it doesn't happen, it proves that they're not a prophet
0: and the penalty for that is death. Yeah, in the Old Testament, the penalty is death. So God can give the gift of prophecy, right? In Hebrews 1, it says that what? In the former times, he spoke to us through the prophets, but now in the present time, he speaks to us through his son. So if uh, there's a prophetic utterance that's inconsistent with Jesus Christ and his word, then we we are to test it. We are to, like you said, and if it, and if it fails, we are we are to move on. Paul doesn't say test it, and if it's if it's wrong, you know, stone the guy like they did in the Old Testament, you know. But it's it, the Old Testament principle is certainly uh, certainly there, and I think it is in First Thessalonians five twenty, I think, or it's five twenty one, maybe, maybe as he says it right after.
3: But
0: test them all. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I didn't keep going. Do not quench the Spirit. Do not despise prophetic utterances, but examine everything carefully. Hold fast to that which is good. Abstain from every form of evil. If somebody comes to you and says, "And don't worry, we're going to get to the female problem here, um, <laughs> prophecy, female <laughs> prophecy problem." But I want to, I want to lay down. Yeah, I want to. She's counting the females. If there's, in case there's a fight, <laughs> we're done, guys. Jerry and I will be right out. Of yeah. Time. Are you kidding? With all these Spanish women in here, I'm not fighting. Get stabbed. I'm just kidding. Joe, bad taste, bad joke. All right. So, so we're to test it, you know. We're to test it. And so I had a guy come up to me one time on the beach, uh, the boardwalk, and he, he grabbed my arm as I was preaching. And he said, I said, what are you doing? He goes, uh, I have the gift of prophecy. He goes, you need to check out that arm. I said, check out the arm. He goes, yeah, there's something bad in there. <laughs> and so, I, did I run to the hospital and say, you know, there's something? Don't, no, I tested that. I said, well, let me examine this. Let me see. I don't have any pain. I haven't had any red flags. And it apparently it was nothing, you know. So, and there could be other things, too, about calling. Yeah.
4: Um, I was taught that the gift of prophecy was a foundational gift given to the church. Yeah. And so that now that's not really a
0: yeah thing right
4: for someone to come and to speak a word and all that stuff yeah. it's not because now we have it's through the sun and then and we have scripture for yeah us. so there would be no new revelation the Lord yeah. giving to some person to speak something new yeah so
0: but he, you he, m- these, you mentioned revelation
4: right so yeah then, but then I also so that aside and then I I know. I remember being taught, too, that now when it's listed prophecy, it's also preaching the word. This
0: is this yes. not a new word. Right. right. Is that, yeah,
2: exactly.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and so <clears throat> you... Yeah, not, not a word would be added. <clears throat> right. It's like,
4: right. There, the prophecy is this, preaching this. Yeah.
0: Preaching something new, something newly revealed. Right. So, so, so from the pulpit, a preacher can be exercising many different gifts of the Spirit during his gift, through the gift of teaching, he could be uttering things that are prophetic to the people of God. Uh, it could be um, uh, things that, I mean, I, you've, I've heard it so many times where preachers say, well, I went up there to talk about this and God had me talk about something totally different. Spurgeon was like that. He wouldn't go up to the pulpit unless he knew God said to preach. And sometimes he went up there with nothing in the last minute and just said, let's pray, because I don't have anything that God gave me, you know? So, yeah. What
3: about, like, you know how some of the prophecies weren't just about, like, like in the Old Testament, there are some prophecies that were just about Jesus coming, but then there were some prophecies, like, this country is going to, like, take, like, take Israel and stuff like that. Like, there's this story about the, these uh, people somewhere in South Asia, like, this group of unreached people, that had a prophecy and they're like they believed in an almighty God and they had a prophecy of like a white man with a black book under his arm coming through their village in a specific way to like bring them the truth. And then a missionary who had a habit of tucking his Bible under his arm walked to them, shared the gospel, and they all believed and that's why now um South Korea has one of the top most like sending missionaries out because yeah. the word spread so quickly. Because was this like ancient belief that that would happen, mm. that's a prop. That's like they had a prophecy. Yeah. and it came true. Yeah, and it's not contrary to God's message because it's it's a message. But that is a that's a that's good a example. That that exists that yeah. isn't from the Bible, but it happened, right? So like, prophecy must still happen.
0: Yeah. Right? Well, again, there's yes, I believe it does. What Claudia was saying before. Was saying that there is a te- there is a uh, uh, there's two couple different camps on this. There are as there is a camp which is very much um, uh, evident in the Reformed churches, especially the P- Presbyterian churches, that the gifts the uh, the extraordinary gifts of the Spirit have ceased. And I, the, the, what they say and the base their proof text for that is First Corinthians thirteen, towards the end of thirteen, where see now we prophesy in part. Now we do this in part. I, I don't know it by heart. And so <clears throat> he said, but um, we're, we're going to end when, you know, once, let me just read it and stop guessing. <laughs> but that's a, I wish I could get through my Bible faster here. I don't like breaks. I like to never stop talking. Okay. So it says, <clears throat> for we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away with. And so the, that proof text is, is that the perfect is the Word of God. So that has now come. It is now complete. The canon is shut. So we no longer need the, the extraordinary spiritual gifts. Mm-hmm. But that, to me, does, is, doesn't work for many different reasons. Mm-hmm. And especially when we have scriptures that are telling us uh, in the New Testament to, to not to despise it. I think we've mistreated the spiritual gifts. Um, in in the church in in a lot of different ways, <clears throat> especially with since te- television, because now we see all this garbage about prop. People are saying they're prophets, they're apostles, and they're you know saying all types of stuff that's wacky. And um, but if I said to you, Izzy, um, you know, you know, I believe the Lord is telling me that you're going to be a missionary, a medical missionary in Africa, mm-hmm. right? That could be a biblical prop. That could that's biblically based, right? And that could come true if the Lord put that on my heart, strong enough to say it. Mm-hmm. But what I find in the, especially in some of the more charis, you know, charismania churches. I don't want to knock the charismatic churches, but the charismania churches. It's every everybody's given prophecy to everybody. Oh, the Lord just gave me a word, you know. You shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do that. You shouldn't be drinking coffee. You know, you're, you know, this, and, you know, all these different things. And there's word of knowledge and all these things going all over the place. Have you really tested that word? I'm not going to go up to somebody and say, I have a word from God, unless God. How come God hasn't said it to me? Like, you're right. Okay. Yes. Well, that's why I tell people. I say, well, look, I love that. What you said, let's hope God says it to me because <laughs> he could easily communicate it to anyone. Right. So, um, so. So yes, yeah, so the basic foundation so far that we laid is that we're going to, you know, whether you agree that the supernatural gifts still exist or not, well, for this sake, for today, we're just gonna say, okay, there's, there's prophecy here in the New Testament, but what I wanna talk about is the controversy, well, for lack of a better way to say it, the apparent contradiction with 1 Timothy and, and Titus, where we, we are specifically told that men and men alone should preach the word of God, for a lack of a better way to say it. And Paul also ties it in to 1 Timothy 2, <clears throat> which uh, Miss Pat brought up, and I'll read the scripture for you. <clears throat> it says, likewise, again, he's giving, this is a pastoral epistle, okay? There's lots of cultural Context here that we don't know about, okay? But we see, we can't just say everything's cultural and it doesn't apply to us, right? We have to look for the common thread. This is why systematic theology is so good to study, to see the common thread of everywhere in the Bible where we see this principle of man having authority over a woman as it relates to uh, preaching, teaching and obviously as it relates to the, co- to the covenant of marriage and I say that with you guys, I don't, I, you know that I'm saying that in a way where I'm not meaning a, a, a hard hand authority over it, right? If I was preaching from the pulpit I may go off a little bit more but you guys understand this we're talking about a godly authority we're talking about a submissive authority, we're talking about a laying down our life authority, yes Izzy I, just, I was about
3: to ask. It was just interesting to me that it said virgin
0: daughters.
3: Yeah. Like, that's mentioned just to say, like, they're not married. Right, right? Like, yeah, right. Like they're just... They're it's not dogs
0: sexual dogs. at all. Yeah. It, it, like, technically, it's not a sexual context. Yeah. <laughs>
3: yeah. Like, like, if they're <clears throat> unmarried married. they're probably still living in their father's yeah. house, like, could that be part of it? Like, would it be more controversial if they had, like, husbands and they were, like, almost... Speaking over now or does it not really matter because
0: they're That's still a good question. in someone else's
3: house? I'm, I don't know. Just
0: yeah, funny. I mean it well again, if we take that with, you know, the with the pastoral epistle of of a woman say a woman must quietly receive instruction and in, with entire submissiveness and all this stuff that man must not have authority. This is in the context of the of the gathering of the church mm-hmm. on Sundays. Where we're at now in Acts, this is not, a, this is not a, a, you know, a church doctrine that we're talking about. These daughters are just prophets, you know, so, but I think what you just said fits. So let, let me explain. <clears throat> so, but I do not, this is verse 12, 1 Timothy 2. I do not allow a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man, but to remain quiet. Now, this is, a, this is another, uh, you know, weird, uh, controversial thing. The way that the synagogues used to work is that men would sit on one side, women would sit on the other side, and it would be, somebody would come up, read from the scrolls, and they would start to teach, and they would exhort people or whatever, but any of the men, at any time, were able to stop, interrupt, stand up, say something, okay, And some commentators say that the women would start to do this as well, but talking to their husbands from across the room, across the aisle, whatever it is, and it became disorderly. And so Paul is saying, look, that shouldn't happen. And then he gets theological here, and he says, let me just put this. He says, uh, for it was Adam who was created first, then, and then Eve. See, this to me is the most important text of the whole, entire, the whole entire argument. It was not Adam who was deceived, but the woman was deceived. See, who got the commandment? Adam. The woman wasn't there when God said, don't eat from any, don't you can eat from any of the trees besides that one. So the man was responsible. The man made in the image of God was responsible for that. But she was deceived, and the woman being deceived fell into transgression. He's not poking at women here. He's not saying, they were, you know, we're still mad at them, so we don't want them teaching. <laughs> you know, that's not, that's not what he's saying. This, again, we have to look throughout all of Scripture and see that common thread. And I believe it's anchored in the fact that man is created in the image of God. Who is the image of God? Who's the perfect image of God? Jesus. So you have the perfect image of God, Jesus Christ. And now in the New Testament, to model that, to reflect that out, rooted in the fact that Adam was created first in God's image, That's the reason why, because as an expression of God's character, as an expression of who he is, out of his mouth is the word of God. Jesus is what? The word made flesh. So this is why I believe this isn't an arbitrary thing against man or woman or anything. This is staying consistent with all of scripture where Jesus is the word of God. Now, when somebody stands up here like this, and getting up. <laughs> They're rep- I'm representing Christ at this pulpit, not because I'm holy or I'm good or I'm anything else, but I am speaking the word of God up here. At least that's what I should be doing. And the idea is that on Sunday during corporate worship, this is happening all over the world. So we have the picture of God. The image of God, the mouth, the preacher speaking and preaching Jesus, the word of God, given the glory. So every pastor teacher that's up here preaching is a representation of the image of God, Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And so when you put it into that perspective, now we see that this isn't a, 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 a dig against female preachers. Can females teach? Yes, they can. They, we have female teachers that teach other, mostly other women, right? And, or the older women are to teach the younger women. There's a, there's a pattern here that God is using. But when we get up here and we represent God, that representation in God's perspective has to be a man or a male. And so when you, when you, when you, when you start to see that now, out of all the Bible, scholars say this is the most difficult verse in all Scripture. But women will be preserved through the bearing of children if they continue in faith and love and sanctity with self-restraint. I'm not going to try to unpack that right now because we don't, I don't want to get off course. I'm going to get back to the Acts 21. But this to me, you know... Without women, man can't preach the word of God because they can't be born. Oh, sorry. (laughs) Yeah. No, that's a hmm. Yeah. Seriously here. So women are preserved. They were deceived. They're preserved as a part of the picture. So no man, husband, or pastor, teacher, male has anything to brag about over a woman. That's, That's... It's right. I wouldn't be here without mama, right? God's plan is perfect. And we know that man and woman coming together is a picture of Christ and the church. Okay, just imagine the bride of Christ saying, no, I want to be Christ. I want to be be Jesus. We don't do that. We go, thank you, Lord, for for who you are and loving me and saving me and I give my life to you. And but Jesus first said, nope, I give my life for you. I'm laying down my life. And you know what we said? We don't want any. We want to be our own god. And God opened our eyes. We became alive. We saw our our wretched flesh and our disgusting sin nature and we submit and, and we submit unto him. So a husband laying his life down for the wife, a wife submitting unto the husband is a picture of Jesus and the Father. Jesus better than the Father? You think there's, a thi- there's something going on in heaven right now? You know, like when you're little? My dad could beat up your dad. No, my dad will beat up your dad. You think that's going on in heaven with the angels? I think Jesus can take the Father. I don't know. He could take him out in a second. No, the Father's stronger than... No, they're one... We have one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one marriage, okay, and one body, all right? So Philip's daughters were, Philip was an evangelist, and God blessed them with the gift of prophecy, which has nothing to do with the gift of teaching or pastoral gifts, nothing to do with it. These are different gifts. Parts of my Bible falling apart here. <laughs> and that explains when we go back through Scripture and we see female leaders that God has used. God has used females all the time. We see, we, we see the controversial head covering passages, right? In, in 1 Corinthians 11, with ants Aunt, writing a paper on it, Right? But what are, they do, what are they commanded, not whether head coverings are right or wrong. If you come in here with a head covering, I would have no problem with it. If you tell me to say everybody has to wear head coverings, then I would have a problem with it for reasons other than, you know, that we'll talk about another time. But what were they doing? Why did Paul say they needed their head covered? Because while they were praying and speaking, so women can talk in the church. Otherwise, why would he put that in there? but it's the pastoral representation of Christ, the shepherd representation. God wants to stay consistent. We have a God of order. We have a God of consistency. We have a holy God. He leaves no no stone unturned. He is perfect in all of his plan, and it all comes together in Christ. Now, you know, we have the a couple judges, or or it was Deborah who was a judge. Mm -hmm. You know, she wasn't a pastor teacher. She wasn't a Levitical priest. She wasn't going in and offering sacrifices. Excuse me. She was a judge. God raised her up and used her. That's different than pastoring. Two different things. And we can go on through that too. So I think the key is
1: when you talk about responsibility, right? Because that's the responsibility of the man, and and they're not allowed to advocate that responsibility because that's what leads to, in the first instance, to sin. Yeah. Adam was given the command, and then he didn't do his job with Eve, and Eve was able to be deceived. Yeah. Um, I think when we look at these and we think of just the authority, it's not really about authority, it's about responsibility. Mm -hmm. And, it's, and God puts responsibilities on people for different things. And when you look at Christ as the example, His responsibility was to die for the church to be the church to be His bride. So that's the man's responsibility is to be selfless, to, to put the woman first. Yeah. To put you know in submission to God, and that's. So when people look at it as like a, some sort of dishonoring thing, I think it's the opposite. I think it's the man has to be humbled more.
0: And I think uh, we have such a tendency to pride. I think that's what it, you know. That's so great, Chris. Well put. Um, and that's an that's a that's a charge to you, young people. You know, Ma- you girls, marry a godly man that's more godly than your father. In your mind, you're like, that'll be hard for 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 you guys, right? <laughs> But seriously, that's the way I like to look at it. Where I say, well, the, my daughter's going to look for a guy that's, and she's going to compare him to me, right? And that's scary because that's, that's what daughters do. It is, right? <laughs> but take your time and make sure that this man loves Jesus yes, right, yeah. and he's going to surrender and submit unto Christ. What woman does not want to marry a man who is completely surrendered and submitted unto Christ that woman isn't threatened by authority over her, being lorded over her. That woman is going to love that. It's, that's how the, the, the love just builds and builds and builds. So take your, and Jerry too, and, and all the young men in here, all of you guys, same thing, godly woman. Yeah, and, and Noah, Noah's in the back. Oh, I did
1: see it. Yeah. And then the other side, so when you look at this, you see it's Philip, the evangelist, and then his four married daughters. If he's doing his job, he's teaching his daughters about God and ensuring that they know God yeah. and know his word. So of course they should be able to prophesy because if they know the Lord and they know his word, they should be able to speak his word. Mm. Um, and they're not, like we pointed out, they're they're not married, they're not um, speaking out of turn in any way. And in the context, he's staying at their house. Yeah. yeah. So there's no, they're not exercising some sort of authority over him by speaking God's word to him. They're not commanding him or disciplining him in a church setting. It's, mm. it's, it's, not, their respons- it's not their responsibility to do that, but it's everyone's responsibility to speak the truth about the Lord. So to a certain extent, we should all be prophesying, mm-hmm. um, you know, wherever we are.
0: And open to that. that. Yeah, yeah, open to that, because we're talking in context of spiritual gifts as well, too, right? Right, right, right. right. So, but yeah, we, and we and should be. the fact that's
1: mentioned here is they probably were particularly gifted yes. at, at it, but... You know, in context, under the training of uh, Philip, most likely, you know, who submitted himself to that responsibility.
0: Yeah, and amen. did say, no, I'm busy. I'm I'm an evangelist. Right. So to
1: go out here. Mm-hmm. I can't be bothering with my my children. You know, he had That first responsibility at
4: home. So it's really not controversial. No, it's con- you
0: look at it it's really not. It may it fits. It fits into and, into the. So even in, in the
4: Old Testament, because there was uh, didn't. Uh, so a king went to
3: see Hulda or something. So she wasn't like, well, was Jewish though. She was a. She was like, she was like a, um, like a, a What's it? Called? Who was it? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. It's a. It, um, like she wasn't a. Like, she said what God was telling her to do. Like, she? But she was... <laughs> she was a... Like, she was a prophet. Like, so the king had expelled all of, like, the...
4: No, no, no. That's not the one No? Uh, the other one, When they found the book of the law. And oh. they went, and they were like, Oh, my gosh, it's saying this.
0: And yeah. they go to Huldah, I think, the prophetess who lived in whatever quarter of Jerusalem. Okay. Yeah, right? I don't remember.
4: And she says to them... Um, she says, you know, like everything you read is going to happen. Yeah. You know, not, not during your time. You're going to get to die in peace. Yeah. So she was, right. She was, that was also fine for her.
0: I mean, that wasn't a controversial thing. No, no, she wasn't, again, she wasn't, she wasn't being the king of Israel. She wasn't the priest of Israel, right? She wasn't the ultimate. She wasn't like, in the line of, like, a Samuel or a Jeremiah. She, but God used her. Yeah. Hold you, know,
2: you know what I hear that's just a little bit different? Though? Some of the yeah. prophecy is future-oriented. Because we, we have the word, um, that shows us future-oriented. But at the time, they didn't. So the prophet and prophetess were were talking about future events that were going to take place, um, not just about how we might
0: prophesies now about the work that we already have. Right, happened. yep. So, yeah. yeah, it was a very, yeah. And if you look here in the next verse, it says, as we were staying, verse 10, for some days a prophet named Agabus came down from Jerusalem or Judea and coming to us, he took Paul's belt and bound his own feet and hands and said, this is what the Holy Spirit says. Yeah. And he says, uh, in this way, the Jews at Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. So that was a prophecy that was made, and there was another prophecy back, I think, in 7 or 8 about the, the, the famine, and that happened as well. So yeah, so the, this was a lot of, of future foretelling, so the, which is a part of prophecy. Though the we may in the context we're
2: talking about, prophesies because we're speaking the word um, about future events that are going to take place, but we already know what they're going to take
0: place. Yeah
2: they
0: may not have known right those things are going yeah, now they yeah from the scripture they you know, in this especially in the new testament what was your question That you said you had a question me yeah you said i have a question you didn't say that mm-hmm. oh i must have i must have misinterpreted. i have a hard time hearing she was um, it,
3: you
2: said so it was
0: not a it. <laughs> <laughs> <That's
3: right. laughs> is it controversial because there are some churches that use just the five female pastors.
1: yeah there are yeah yeah, yeah. this this is
0: that. this is part of the support of it you know the yeah. uh that I've seen but in when you look when you look at the order of creation and the original authority of Adam from the first book of the bible, okay it stays consistent throughout all of scripture um and it's it's uh it's a neat study you know i don't th- I'm not saying you know we've covered all of it and uh you know It's this isn't the time to debate about it, Um, but I would say study it on your own, you know, and uh, I would be open to questions if you guys wanted to bring them back next week because we're going to we're going to close now. Um, Yeah. So let me just uh, end with this with uh, verse 12. I'll read the I'll read up to 14. When we had heard this, we as well as the local residents began begging him, Paul, not to go to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, what are you doing? Weeping and breaking my heart. For I am ready not only to be bound, but even to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And and since he would not be persuaded, we fell silent, remarking the will of the Lord be done. You know? And so Paul, that's a very dangerous, dangerous man that realizes that the power of death and the fear of death has no effect on him. He's, he, he is, you know, that's, those were the worst, like the Moro warriors. I don't know if you ever heard of the Moro warriors back in the Spanish-Filipino uh, um, uh, War. And they would literally wrap themselves up in uh, leather. And they would, they would, Take drugs and all this other stuff, and they would get, and then they would go with their samurai swords, and they would just charge into battle, and they would get shot, and they would get all these things happen, and nothing. They they would keep running after these people, and they would swing their swords with bullets in them, and they would they would take out a lot of the until the Colt forty five came around. Now that's why they invented the Colt forty five because these they were charging in and. You shoot a Colt 45, that person will fly back 10 feet. And so that's like Paul's mentality was like, I know where I'm going. These were suicide. They're like suicide bombers, right? They have no fear. I don't care about death. I'll die for the name of the Lord Jesus. I'm not afraid. I'll pass through it. We're going to pass. We're going to, we may be in pain here, but when we enter into the to death when we cross that border we 'll talk about this today too a little bit there 's not going to be there 's going to be joy, peace, and there 's going to be an overwhelming sense of this is me this is where i 'm at i 'm within the hands of my father of my creator, and paul knew, hey let the let the lord 's will be done, I want to stay with you longer, I want to be with the Lord, but either way, I am just content I am happy, so yeah, yeah.
4: Relationship with the Lord. He's not. We, we are not going to get up one day and say, "Oh, I don't care. I will live for the Lord today." No, because we have been building up a life that is living for me. Yeah. So it's very hard to give it up. But Paul was
0: the one who could say, "I consider all things garbage." Yeah.
4: For the knowledge and surpassing knowledge of prayer. So he, his uh, love for the Lord was such mm. that really
0: everything else in comparison was garbage. Yeah, and that's I mean it, for us it's so. Tough. I mean we our time is so precious, mm. or whatever,
4: and you know it, it's so hard because uh, I think it's it's an ongoing. That's why that's why we developed a lot for the Lord
1: in, in studying the Word and yeah. testing the faith and in, in living through the
4: things that He calls us to live instead of running away and all those things. You know, they just build up that character of Christ that allows you.
0: Yeah. When the time comes to say, I'm ready. Yeah. You know, it's, like Richard Warbrandt, right? Like he was I just, he was just, yeah. he endured. You know? he
4: torture like that, would I say, oh, me next? No, mm. I mean, I'm more afraid of, yeah. I'm afraid of pain, mm. but, but if I pray that I would develop such love, that if, if
2: that's what mm. God is called me to do, I would do it we couldn't do it But, but he, but Paul's statement imitates what Christ said, not my will, but thy will be done. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think that's what hits me, it said, the will of the Father. Yeah. So that's, that's the focus, you yes. know, um, I'm going to focus on God's
0: will, just like Christ did. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Anyone else? All right. Would you like to pray for this sure. Thanks, Chris. Definitely.